Let's get it started. Yeah. <laughs> no. No. <laughs> Colts over here. Colts over there. There are cults everywhere. everywhere. And we're going to tell you all about it with a fairy tale twist. Welcome to Once, Once Upon a Cult. Once upon a time, there's a beautiful tea company, and they were like, let's share our tea with everybody, including the aliens. Yeah. <laughs> Celestial tea. Celestial seasonings. Our seasonings, you win. Yes. Hi, Rachel. Hi, Sean. Hi, Alan. Hi, Sean. Oh, oh. <laughs> Alan's very sick right now. <laughs> Something deep inside me stirred at that yeah. deep voice. Do it again. Again. <laughs> okay. So this one was funny. When I went on, I always start my journey with Wikipedia. Mm -hmm. There's nothing about the culty aspects of this on Wikipedia. Oh, no. <laughs> it's like they're not proud of it. <laughs> what? <laughs> I don't understand it. Wikipedia was like, this is a group that sells tea. Nothing weird here. Move oh, there on. was a lawsuit once. That got... Taken care of. Move along. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And it's this one you might have heard a little bit about because it was circulating in the TikToks mm -hmm. like last summer, I think. Uh, like June of 2020. Mm -hmm. We're all bored and shut inside. We're like, oh, cults. I'm watching Tiger King. <laughs> yeah. We're like, what other cults are out there? And so this one's really interesting because it's like a very, it's a corporate identity. And Maybe you don't instantly re recognize celestial tea when we say it, but definitely you have heard of sleepy time tea. Mm -hmm. And that is their big flagship thing is they love giving you a tea that'll just knock you unconscious. <laughs> uh, it's very cozy. I saw, I guess we can get into where this came from more later, but there was this like fan-made video on YouTube that I came across where they were drinking sleepy time tea and like eventually you can get a stronger sleepy time tea and it like kills you. It was really weird. You're just suddenly <laughs> unconscious. Like there's people that there are people that like boiling lettuce water and drinking and what? they're like, Oh yeah. Oh, is they can't be sleepy. And I don't trust anything on TikTok anymore because of the Pez thing. Oh yeah. I is that not real? Not no. real. Oh. Debunked. That's why every single video has a cut before the thing pops <laughs> up the bottom. Gotcha. Not even a well hidden cut. I don't, yeah. <laughs> Don't trust the lies they tell you. How many packs of Pez did you purchase? <laughs> I had to go through a good 50 of them before I was like, okay, debunked. 50? <laughs> <laughs> so you still have to really, one by one, put those Pez in the dispenser. Okay. There's no fast hack. Okay. But Pez, hopefully you've seen these videos so you can figure out a way to get it, get your shit done. Yeah, if you haven't seen the videos, there, there's people who put up that you can basically put the whole wrapped uh, Pez into the dispenser. Shove it up and, the bottom. Yeah, shove it up the bottom, and it shoots out the con—I mean, the uh, wrapper. <laughs> <laughs> yep, and then, you, yeah, you shove down the top, and it's like, oh, it's all just instantly out. That's not how it works. But now I feel like Pez has a good direction to go in for their yeah. next iteration of their product, because yeah, it's have, been a while. They have one direction to go in. Um. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's talk about celestial seasonings. All right, so should we talk about the company first or the book first? We should talk about the company first. Okay. <laughs> yeah, well, we'll talk about the normal company that's normal and then the uh, CD Underground that comes with it. <laughs> I love it. So celestial seasoning started in 1969 in Boulder, Colorado. I love this. So, Mo Siegel, it's kind of contested if it was John Wick or Haywick. <laughs> together, it's John Wick. Yeah, yeah. And Peggy Clute were going into the mountains of Boulder, Colorado and collecting herbs and making herbal teas and selling those teas and the herbs to local businesses. And that's how Celestial Seasoning started. Yes. So, it was all... It sounded like a very boutique experience. They would go hand pick their herbs and then put them into hand sewn muslin bags. 
Um, <laughs> and then sell them to health stores specifically. Yeah. And what's interesting was at this time, like there wasn't a big herbal tea thing that was out there. Like herbal teas always existed deep within the culture. Like the Chinese have herbal tea and regular tea. Um, but no one had really kind of taken it and sold it like corporately widely. So you could only get it like at little places where they're like, Oh, health foods and stuff like that. But celestial seasons created and started distributing herbal tea mm-hmm. worldwide. I didn't realize that, like, I mean, I know, like you said, herbal tea has been around longer than this, but it's crazy to think that my parents are older. (laughs) (laughs) Than celestial. Yeah. Like herbal tea wasn't a big thing. Like today it's everywhere. Like it's in every corner Starbucks. And Mm -hmm. like to think that only what, like 50 years ago, that's when it really took off in the corporate world. That's crazy. Yeah. Yeah, so we started with two different kinds of teas. There was Moe's 36 mm-hmm. herb tea, where you had 36 herbs all mixed into it. And then there's another one where I guess he was a little bit lazier, and it was called 24 herb tea. Um, <laughs> no, only, only 24 herbs in that tea. But it was really popular, and they were able to create a business behind this. And by 1972, they had their two flagship blends. There's the red zinger tea, which became the kind of main of the zinger line. And what you'll see is they have multiple lines. They have like a zinger line. They have a sleepy tea line. They have a green tea line. Um, but then sleepy time was the other big one that became very popular. And it's said to be the greatest selling specialty tea of all time by celestial seasonings. Um, I mean, yes. <laughs> <laughs> Which, but everyone knows it. Yeah, you know? I know. Like you go and you're like sleepy time. Yeah. Yeah. Cause it's the one with the bear on it. The Cute bear. bear on it. Sleepy Aww. Fireplace. And, uh, the name for celestial seasonings is said to be derived from the co-founder's name, Lucinda Zisnings. Zisnings. Yes, apparently she had like a nickname or like middle a name or name. her flower. Oh yeah, because 1969. <laughs> yeah, we know what's going on. Shortly after the summer of love, so these people out there hand harvesting, hand picked tea. They, they were hippies. Yeah, they were like going into the mountains and picking flowers. Like yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and they were probably stopping and smoking weed and having sex and then picking some flowers. Like yeah. it's probably probably what was going on they probably had a special they probably had a special herb that they were picking up planted themselves hey well we're up here (laughs) um by 1977 uh celestial was selling internationally Mm -hmm. by 1984 they were actually purchased by craft foods they were they went big times yeah and then by 1987, Kraft was like, we don't want you anymore. We're going to sell you to Lipton. <laughs> well, but then. Yep. But then. Yeah. Well, right before that, oh, Mo Siegel retired. Oh, yeah. Yeah. In 1986. For the first time. For the first time. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, part of them selling it to Lipton became a huge issue because people are like, that is a tea monopoly. Yeah. Yep. You cannot. Monopoly. <laughs> a monopoly. And so they, uh, there was a, uh, what's it called? A lawsuit. And yeah. it stops them from selling it to Lipton, but. An antitrust law. There we go. Yeah. Driven by Bigelow, who was like the other tea competitor at yeah. the time. Yes. Um, so they couldn't, basically through this, craft couldn't, or no, sorry, Lipton uh, couldn't, couldn't purchase. Purchase, yeah. Yeah. And then Celestial was like, well, Kraft, if you don't want us, you don't want us. <laughs> and they, the management purchased themselves back. So now they're owned by themselves once more. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And in 2000, they merged with Hain Food Group to make up Hain Celestial Group. Ooh. And that's, um, remember that term, Colties, because we may come back to Hain Celestial Group. So if we talk about that, that's another branch of Celestial Seasonings. Awesome. So this tea group, amazing. They they do interesting little things like they have inspirational quotes on their boxes and on their <laughs> on their little tags on the tea. How cute. It's yeah. so cute. But where do <laughs> those 
inspirational quotes come from? Urethra. <laughs> right at your <laughs> You guys, there's a book. A book of knowledge. A book of specialness. It's called the Urantia book. Yeah, I was thoroughly confused and Rachel started sending me texts about the urethra book. Apparently, that's just what she calls it. And I was, <laughs> I was supposed to follow her on this journey. Obviously. <laughs> what else could I be talking about? But so this was pretty early in the conception of the company. In 1969, Mo not only started the company, but he began reading this book after spending two years in a Catholic monastery. So obviously he was like, I need something a little bit different. (laughs) (laughs) Very different. Very different. (laughs) different. And then he started a study group and he started bringing people together to talk about this book and all the interesting and true and real things that you, that this book teaches you. Should we get into the races? (laughs) Well, I feel like that's that that comes in a little bit later. Okay. Should we talk about where did this book come Let's from? Let's do that. The history of the Urantia book. <laughs> I'm flipping through my notes. Me too. Back, so back. the Urantia text is anonymous. The origins are mysterious. Yeah, but like there's pretty heavy uh, clues as to where it came from. What? (laughs) (laughs) There was this guy back in the 1800s, William Sadler, who was like, I didn't write it, but you guys, you should all read it. You should all read it. You should read this book, guys. Everybody, this book. You should totally read it. It appeared in front of me. (laughs) It just appeared. (laughs) So, 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 so. William S. Sadler, funny, funny story. Uh, He has a little bit of an origin story himself. Oh, no. He, as a teenager, went to go work at Battle Creek Sanatorium. Mm -hmm. And I don't know if you guys remember that, but that is where the Kellogg's people (laughs) were. Mm -hmm. That's where all the Seventh-day Adventists (laughs) were. And so he went there, and that's where he met John Haney Kellogg's niece, Lena Celestia Kellogg, and fell deeply in love with her. Mm-hmm. And they become married, and they're Seventh Day Adventists. They're um, which, if you remember, it's a Protestant Christian denomination where Saturday is the Sabbath, and they're very much into the Second Coming of Christ. All about it. They're really excited for the end of times. Um, but so he marries this woman, and as far back as 1911, William and his wife Lena were these well-known physicians in Chicago and a neighbor came to them saying, my husband is having difficulty sleeping. He does weird things when he's sleeping. Please come watch my husband as he sleeps. And (laughs) one thing I love is Lena was also a physician. It wasn't just him. Both like husband and wife Mm -hmm. were physicians back in 1911. So go you, Lena, Mm -hmm. go you. Um, So they went over to her house to watch her husband sleep. And we never know who this person was, but what we do know is that the sleeping man was connected to celestial beings. And I saw that they speculated it was Kellogg's brother. They did. There is speculation. There's nothing to confirm it, but I just love that. I love that not only did we have the Kellogg's over there in their own interesting (laughs) kind of (laughs) cultish lifestyle. Oh, we got this brand new lifestyle. Right. Next time you sit down and eat that cereal, there's a lot of history there. (laughs) So much history. I think it's so funny. Like you were just talking about it. This apparent Kellogg brother is talking about being alien and celestial beings. So they're like, huh? Yeah. Must be real. <laughs> well, it's funny too, because at this time, like they're both respected physicians. And during this time, they debunked a lot of like the uh, paranormal claims. They even wrote a book about it yes. called the mind and the men shift where they're basically saying like mediums and self proclaimed psychics are basically like the deceptive people. Yeah. What about larges? Um, but yeah, so this guy really wasn't rude. Rude. I apologize for the barking in the background. My dog is a garbage dog, as you all know. (laughs) Anyway, anywho. So, um, 
Yes. So he would go around and he's like, I don't believe in all this stuff because at this time that was a huge movement. There was a big movement in like Victorian times through then that was all about mediums. It was all about connecting with the dead. It was a big trend. And this guy is like, no, that silly business. This is not real. And I'm going to debunk it. Nothing is true except for this one time (laughs) there was a sleeping man (laughs) and he would go into these trances and in these trances, he would connect with beings and impart their wisdom to me. Mm. Yeah. It just makes sense. It makes so much sense. And first it was just verbal, but then suddenly there were papers I love the way they write about this is really weird. It's not like, oh, we sat there writing down what he said. They're like, and then suddenly there were papers, (laughs) (laughs) a handwritten document. And it became the primary method of uh, communication. Yeah. And oh, the wisdom. Oh, the wisdom. (laughs) So much wisdom. And I will say Sattler didn't keep this all to himself. He did. He created a study group. Mm -hmm. They really love. Study groups, I've noticed. Uh, <laughs> Mo loves them later. Sather loves them now. Where he brought all these people to come together and talk about life. And he just happened to drop in this group. He's like, so uh, there's this sleeping guy. And wisdom. <laughs> and let me tell you. And so from this group, he's like, we've been gifted. We've been chosen. We can come to this sleeping man with our questions and he will connect with the celestial beings and give us all the answers. What's interesting real quick too is I also found he studied with Sigmund Freud. Oh. So I wonder how much that connects to the whole sleeping aspect. There's a lot of stuff. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, so they came up with these questions for the celestial beings and after going back and forth, getting all this communication It's these papers that make up the Urantia book. It was like 700 pages of communications Mm -hmm. and wisdom. And a lot of what Urantia focuses on is eugenics, which if you haven't heard of eugenics, I have a description here for you. (laughs) Because I had kind of heard of it, but I didn't know the details. But now I'm an expert. (laughs) It's the idea of breeding a better race through selected reproduction. So you take traits deemed healthy are desirable and have that person reproduce with someone else deemed desirable. I say deemed Deemed. because it's very much, a, you know. As seen in popular groups like the Nazis. Yeah. (laughs) The problem with with eugenics is it usually most often goes into breeding the races, breed with like races, breed out certain races, Mm -hmm. like the Jews, like you said, with (laughs) the Nazis. So, yeah. So Sadler's a huge fan of this. And he was actually inspired by, here's another name for you, Madison Grant who was one of the earliest writers of eugenics, his writing, his writings inspired both Sadler and Hitler. Oh, <laughs> good people all around. Yeah. yeah. Anytime you're like, Hey, join this group. We inspired Hitler. <laughs> Run, get out of there. Winning. Yeah. So actually this really disturbed me on a deep level. Um, I know not all of the Urantia group would agree with this statement, but This is what I got out of it. It kind of said in the video I was watching that things like genocide and slavery are human ways to eradicate or keep down certain races. So it's good that those things happened. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And they, what's really interesting was that the way that they kind of described this, it wasn't like they were just, putting out these claims as something new. They used a lot of Bible stuff Mm. behind it. Like Adam and Eve. This is my favorite. (laughs) 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 Well, what specifically other than the fact that they were supposed to like breed the perfect race and and the whole fall and Adam and Eve are aliens. Yes. And that appear on different planets to help repopulate the correct of the races. But when they got to Urantia, 
you may know it, listeners, as Earth, (laughs) (laughs) the thing that we're on, um, they messed up and the races got out of control. So actually, um, now it's our job as humans to make the races right, like Adam and Eve should have. Yeah, that's why, because of their mistake, that's why we have things like disease and all these other stuff is because Adam and Eve screwed up in the past. So we're all just like, do this is all their fault. Yes, exactly. We have nothing to do with it. It's their fault. Uh Uh-huh. We just showed up. (laughs) Yep. (laughs) But like, what did, because I was looking into it, did they mention anything of like how they screwed up? Well, so it, it is, it does the whole story of the temptation the and everything. Okay. Yes. Um, so, but it does it in a very different way. Uh-huh. It, I, I was, okay. you guys, <laughs> the number of podcasts out there about the Urantia book is overwhelming. And so many of them are ones that are wanting to share about it and not, oh. not commenting on it. It's, it's. There was one that was completely the entire book just read to you, but a new kind of translation of it where they've modernized it Mm. and removed some of the science that they now know isn't true. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And then they do certain things like they tried to remove um, the masculine from God language to Mm. make it more like the creator Mm. and keep it a they. <laughs> non gendered. <laughs> Can I tell you? I've been thinking about that a lot lately. It disturbs me, and not taking away from anybody's belief or religion, but that all religion are on like this scale. They just keep changing to like go with the modern times. <laughs> oh yeah, oh yeah. Well, and actually, there was a big thing with the Urantia book where they the reason this there was a foundation that was kind of formed around keeping the sacred texts, like getting them represented well and publishing and making sure that nothing changed. They were like. No, you can't make any changes to it. So there's some people that are following the ideals of it and they're like, no, like you have to update it so that it is more accurate to what it is. But then these people that are part of the old guard are just like, mm. no, that's blasphemous. Like you're, it's not even true now the way you're saying it. Mm-hmm. Um, so it is an interesting kind of split uh, within the followers, followers of it. And there's not one specific religion that comes from this. Like there mm. isn't under your Urantia religion. There's just people that study and follow the tenets of the Urantia right. book. Yeah. So it's not like they're getting in study groups. They're not going to a church. That makes sense. Yeah. The group, they're called themselves fellows. The fellowship. Fellows, yeah. The fellowship. Yeah. And it's funny because if you were to reach out to anybody who's part of your auntie today, they would tell you they are not racist. But (laughs) some of the texts that they showed specifically (laughs) says that Africans and Australians are non-social people of ancient times and need to be eliminated. Yes. Uh, Specifically speaking of uh, the aboriginal Australians, not just (laughs) not not the white folks that went and colonized. And obviously not Kylie Minogue. (laughs) We should definitely make sure that Kylie is having more babies. We need more Kylie in the world. (laughs) Um, So yeah, like they, they had these papers And the people following it are growing. And so they created the contact commission. It was five members that included both the Sadlers who were responsible for gathering questions from the forum and becoming the custodians of the papers. And my favorite thing was it said it materialized from 1925 to 1935 in a way they themselves didn't understand. <laughs> how did it, how did these papers get here? I don't know. Um, and one of my other favorite things is Sather and his son ended up writing an introduction for the papers, but kind of commission and everyone was like, no, you have to keep it to just the words of the sleeper. But then shortly after a foreword was received from the sleeper. So it's okay. You guys, <laughs> How fortuitous! <laughs> the sleeper just happened to be waiting to give that to us. <laughs> um, so there's definitely some interesting <laughs> suspicious. Oh, don't be suspicious. Don't oh my gosh. Here we go again. <laughs> no. Um, and in 1955, they were given permission 
by the commission to publish the books. And shortly before that, the Urantia Foundation was formed and they were the ones that were going to make sure that it stayed good standing, that it was truthful. And they are still around today. They are still around looking after their book. We might know someone that's part of their board. Do we? A Mo Seagull of Celestial Seasoning. (laughs) 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 Oh my goodness. So this guy didn't just follow the book. He is heavily involved in the sharing of it, in being part of the community around it. Um, And this is only one of the three organizations he's part of that is all about your Antia book. And luckily, Colties, I'll say this now so you can sleepy time well. Um, Mo is not part of this group from what we can see at all anymore. So if you are to purchase Celestial Seasonings today, it should not go towards Mo or any of the... Oh, yeah. He's part of the Urantia group. He is not part of Celestial Seasonings anymore. Thank you for clarifying. (laughs) He's not part of Celestial Seasonings, but he is very much part of Urantia. All the way. Yeah. Yeah. And they've analyzed the writing and they think that there was, the writing style suggests there were about nine authors. Wow. That gave us the masterpiece. (laughs) Um, Yeah. So another part of this belief, uh, the earth is Urantia and it's number 606 in the planetary group called, I love this, Satania. Satania. <laughs> like I found that so interesting that we would call the planetary group after Satan. <laughs> Satania. Satania. Well, and even like so, and Satania is part of Nebadon, I believe, okay. which also sounds very dark to me. Like Nebadon is the universe we're in, and then probably so it goes like universe. Uh, what's it called? Uh, solar system. Gallic? Planets. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Are you just saying random things that have to do with space? <laughs> uh, yes. <laughs> that is what, that's the knowledge that I have. Uh, Sailor Pluto. <laughs> Sailor Pluto. <laughs> I will punish you. <laughs> um, but there are billions of worlds and like there are, was it seven concentric kind of universes? I don't know. I don't think I saw that. Seven sounds like a right number, though, because things are usually three or seven. It's a good number. Yeah. The numerology is a-okay for that. Yeah, and apparently the headquarters in the planetary group is Jerusalem. Mm. That sounds like something else we know. Yeah. Jerusalem. You know what drives me a little bit crazy here is everything we're talking about, like, I am a writer. I like to write. I like to take things that people know and like twist them into slightly different. That's what this person did. That's Mm -hmm. all they did. They took Adam and Eve and they took other things and they repurposed them. (laughs) And that's a reoccurring theme with cults, right? They take something you're familiar with, something that you already accept. And then they're like, let me give you some extra things on top of that. Would you like something else that's slightly familiar? Oh, yeah. So according to their belief, when we die, we are reincarnated to a planet and we go planet to planet until we reach paradise where the deity lives. Wow. And a piece of the deity lives in each of us and is called the thought adjuster. The thought adjuster like adjusts my thoughts. Yeah. He makes, he's the one that gives me the good holy thinking. Mm -hmm. (gasps) And the reason this really stuck out to me is we have such a big, uh, I'm having a brain fart, but Buddha, Buddhism, Buddhism, reincarnation, reincarnation we got going on there. And also the whole planet that really reminds me of (laughs) what else do you get your own planet in? Yep. Mormonism and Scientology. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So I really personally, I couldn't find anything on it, but I think they both took a heavy page from your auntie in setting up their beliefs, especially with the way the tablets were found. They just appeared they in just my head. They were just here given to me whole. I don't, I, I have no idea how. I have no proof of them. Wait, let me go get it. Here you go. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So this, this book was gifted to us by alien super mortals called revelators. Oh, 
Isn't that a fun name? It is. Revelators. Revelators. Mm. Um, so we are, everything kind of given to us is from a race that is wiser than us, that is smarter than us. How is us. that possible? I, I mean, <laughs> hard to compete with what we got in this room right here. <laughs> um, and one of my favorite of the study groups that they have are called the Jesusonian Foundation. That sounds like something we've heard of before. Yeah, they're really into Jesus. <laughs> oh. In the books, there are four different parts of the book. And the first part is the central and super universe. So that's kind of where we're talking about those planetary systems and everything. <laughs> and then there's the local universe where it's focusing on Nebadon, our universe. And then it gets into the history of Urantia which is the history of earth. That's where we meet Adam and Eve. There's a whole bunch of other uh, people from religions in there. They really go into all the angels. Apparently Lucifer and Satan are two different people in those ones. Not the same person. Fun times. Um, And they're all extraterrestrials, obviously. Um, And then the last book is the life and teachings of Jesus. Okay. So we come full circle. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Like it's just it's just a different take on the Bible, it seems. Yeah. A little weirder. Yeah. Oh, and we still haven't gotten into the uh the different colored races. Tell me about the colors. All right, Janet. So apparently there's the red, orange, yellow, green, blue, and indigo races. Not all of them still exist today, but the The orange and green are prone to giganticism. Oh. The indigo is the lowest of the races. Blue is the race that we want to attain, and it happens to be very white in complexion with blue eyes. What? And uh, these were... These existed on Earth. Sorry, my notes are a little wonky. These existed on Earth half a million years ago. And so all of the races we have today are said to come from these original six races. But what's funny and sad and mean and terrible is your auntie will tell you that they're not racist because the black race doesn't even exist. So we have nothing against them. No, they might. I mean, they might be epitomized by the indigo race, which we consider the lowest of the races. It's funny because they're like, we're not racist against them, but they happen to come from the orange, green and indigo. Uh, They're a mix of these three that are lower races that have been enslaved. uh, So this is very much a racist cult. (laughs) (laughs) Very much uh, have some ideals <laughs> there. Yeah. And then it's like when you look at their chart, the yellow race lives in, it's set on the chart in Asia. Yeah. Yeah. I, I did laugh the at that. Race lives. Very creative. <laughs> yeah. Very creative. Very creative. Uh, indigo color is so close to blue. So I find it really weird, like where colors fall on a spectrum. Yeah, that they would like be like, this is the lowest, but that it's like touching the blue on the spectrum if you think about it. And also, I hate indigo as a color. <laughs> I feel like it there that it is a purple blue. <laughs> like, Choose one. <laughs> all these others are specific colors, and then that is just a combination of two colors. I don't want that in my rainbow. Okay. Thank thank you for coming to my TED talk. I didn't know your name's Ted. Oh, yes. Yeah, so that's the whole basis of this. These six (laughs) rainbow-colored races. Uh. Yeah. um, So, they're still around. They're still doing their thing. People are still studying them. Um, One thing that I love is that they lost the copyright to the book. Oh, oh no. (laughs) They held it up till... It was actually even like there was things going on into the 2000s where they were successfully winning uh, lawsuits to keep the copyright. But then there was one that was like, no, you lost the copyright back in the 80s. Like, so it kind of backdated to when they don't get it anymore. And their reasoning was because it, the sleeper was the author um, of it. 
and there is no living relatives of the sleeper <laughs> because they also don't know who the sleeper yeah. was. And so they would have to like admit that they were these other people in order to kind of keep it in the family and keep that. it going. But because it's this anonymous person, <laughs> they're just like, it's that other person, that mysterious person. So we don't know. So it's just, it's free reign now. It's hysterical that their own secrecy worked against them yeah. and they have to admit that they're assholes in order to keep it. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I love life. <laughs> yes. And I will say everywhere you go, it seems that it's often made available for free. Like they, they definitely aren't trying to make money off of the book. They're really trying to make it available in order to get more followers get more people to what they consider like the good news, the, the way to live by, um, to where you could even listen to a podcast where they just read it to you. And it's really hard. So like the wording in it hard. Okay. <laughs> this is what I found. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And the Urantia group has very much divorced or not. I'm sorry. The celestial seasonings. <laughs> Has very much divorced themselves from Siegel or his ideals. They don't like to even talk about it. Yes. Yeah. And I don't feel like there's a lot of places where it kind of did cross over. Yes. He put some interesting quotes on things mm-hmm. that were inspired by the book, but they were mostly like generic inspirational yeah. quotes as well. Like they weren't specifically pushing the teachings or anything and didn't even kind of track back to it. Um, so even though like this is his life calling and he is a hundred percent in on the Urantia book, it, it seems like he mostly kept things separate. Yeah. So that's good at least. Mm-hmm. All right. So this was a fun one. Should we talk about if we think it's a cult or not? Sure. All right. So did it have a charismatic leader? Oh, it didn't, it had a charismatic book, I guess, but it didn't really have a charismatic leader. Yeah. Yeah. Alienation. (laughs) (laughs) There were so many aliens in this book, you guys. Um, I, I don't feel like there was too much. Like, I mean, there was definitely ideas, but it shared ideas with a lot of other ideas. Mm -hmm. Belief system. There were some beliefs. There are so much. Outside evil. I mean, that purple race. Indigo. Indigo race. (laughs) Indigo. Sense of community. Oh, I think there's community for sure. Like, they love their study groups. Yep. They love to get together and have a good discussion. Yeah, this one, um, Rachel, you said it multiple times. It's more of a belief, I think, than like a religion or a cult. So it's just... Maybe we don't like it, (laughs) but it's not a cult. Yes. Yeah. And we don't like... I, I feel like in the wrong hands, like some, one of the beliefs, especially the belief around like the races and genocide and the genocide ish <laughs> ideas that go along with that could be dangerous yeah. in the wrong hands. Um, but historically so far, we haven't seen anyone really kind of getting together and champion that part of the belief. They've kind of been more into some of the other stuff where it's like, living a godly life and all that. So I, I do see this as more like I could even see it being a religion if they decided to really organize themselves that way. Um, but they just haven't kind of gone into that organized form of it. They're more just like spreading the belief. Mm-hmm. I do find it. And this made me laugh as I was studying. I find it ironic that like, I don't know how deep into the science we've gone, but I did read this at one point that, the African people are like said to be the first people on the earth. So Adam and Eve are black. Let's just throw it out there. <laughs> yeah. And Jesus like, was black. Yeah. <laughs> like, I mean, and maybe not like completely black, black, but super dark skin. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like we hate on Africans and African Americans so much within society. You guys, do you know where we get the modern depiction of Jesus from? Where? <laughs> It was, was it Da Vinci's lover? <laughs> oh. Um, oh my goodness. I just like went into a rabbit hole about it and I can't even remember all the names. So I'm the most useless storyteller 
Oh, of all, but basically... Well, I mean, I've read Twilight, so maybe not. <laughs> <laughs> Stephanie, what, Gordon go. Moyer? Meyer? Meyer. <laughs> um, so, yeah, basically, uh, Da Vinci was... Had, done the depictions of his lover at the time and his lover was actually part of the family of the guy that became the pope and so like they really kind of leaned into they like took away previous to this there were more depictions of jesus but dark skinned because Mm -hmm. it was the accurate thing but then the catholic church being the awesome group that they were like get rid of that and let's replace it with this new idea of what jesus is and so the fact that he was Da Vinci's lover, that part's cool. Another side effect or part thing. He wasn't that a lover that long of Da Vinci. Uh, he also, I guess, was connected with like murdering people and stuff. So, Uh-oh. so, uh, they out there be worshiping the picture of a murderer. That does explain <laughs> the abs though. <laughs> Damn abs. <laughs> That's crazy. So he's based on a murderous gay man. (laughs) I think he was bi. A queer. queer. (laughs) A queer man. Yeah. Interesting. The stuff that you come across. (laughs) I love going into rabbit holes. All right. Speaking of going into a rabbit hole, we have a new game for you. A new game. So the way we set this up is every episode from this one on, uh, two out of the four of us, including Vicky, I know she's kind of on and off the show, but two out of the four of us will be assigned one of the cults that we've talked about on the show. And this is kind of, in a way, an experiment, and it's for fun. I think the experiment part is that we can argue that a cult leader can get to any type of person. Yeah. And that's what we're going to be doing because uh, we each have a cult uh, that we've been assigned and we're going to choose a cult target. So a type of person, it could be a doctor, a dentist, a power ranger. <laughs> <laughs> and just for funsies, we're going to randomly choose an item that that person has. And the two people will have 30 seconds to argue why their cult would be the better fit for this randomly chosen individual. All right. So this week, what were you assigned? I was assigned Cinnamon. <laughs> cinnamon, okay. Cinnamon. <laughs> so do you want to give us a quick recap of what Cinnamon is? So Cinnamon uh, <laughs> started as a uh, recovery for addicts to both alcohol and drugs. Chuck, who is really good at sex, Chuck the leader, he gave them all these great ideas, like no violence and like one man for every woman. But then he was like, eh, and he started breaking all those rules and being violent. And then he started hating the dope fiends and they played a really fun game where they shouted at each other a lot. And there were cool, immersive experiences where they starved you all night. (laughs) And, uh, they made a commune up in the North of California. And he also then decided that children were useless. So we shouldn't have children anymore, but if there were children, they sent them to a hatchery, you know, all that good stuff. They were overalls. (laughs) (laughs) All right. And I've been assigned with the very well-known Kwan Yin method. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Yes. So the Kwan Yin method is led by Supreme Master Ching Hai, who is a Vietnamese spiritual leader. And uh, she is basically running this transnational cyber sect. So trans-cyber set. (laughs) So the main tenets of Kuan Yin Method is you eventually have to commit to a lifelong vegan diet. Ah! (laughs) And it's two hours minimum of meditation daily. This is one of those groups where you see a lot of people like shoved into an area all like meditating, meditating together. So, yeah, fun. Good times. Shall we see who our target is? Who is our target? Our target today, Rachel, is a hairstylist. A hairstylist. Oh, Oh, no. (laughs) Have I got it wrong for them? Oh, no. (laughs) 
Can I choose a winner already? <laughs> All right, hairstylist, and our hairstylist is holding a whopper. A whopper? Like, like a whopper for Burger King? <laughs> no. Yeah, you die with your vegan lifestyle. Look at this I'm just getting a timer set up, and then we will start. Would you like to go first or second? I'll give it a go. All right. Ready, set, go. Oh, I see you like styling hair. (laughs) Well, have I got the group for you. This group, Synanon. We live on the beach in Malibu. It's prime real estate. Well, actually, I guess it's Santa Monica. It's prime beachfront (laughs) real estate. And we have so many people in need of haircuts right now. Like we are going through, we're giving shaved heads to everyone. <laughs> you would have a great position here. And I mean, bring I'm- along the whopper. You can win with everyone. Very nice. Nicely done. <laughs> Thank you. Hello, girls. <laughs> I want to kill you. <laughs> Him from Powerpuff Girls. Oh. I thought you were being the creepy person from the Snickers commercial. <laughs> I'm being the guy on the side of the road with the... <laughs> no. Hello. Hello, girls. All right. Let me go ahead and start on mine. All right. This hairstylist... Okay. A lot of times hairstylists are free thinkers and kind of hippie-ish. Let's just say that. So they're holding a Whopper. So they obviously don't know good meat. So what are they really leaving behind? But there's also Beyond Whoppers. So <laughs> <laughs> it's pretty good, too. So this person is going to want to join Kuan Yin because they can actually do this from anywhere. They don't even have to move. They can do it from the pleasure of their own home and not eat crappy fast food meat anymore. <laughs> All right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. So now we're going to put this to a vote. To a vote. I get to vote on which one of... No, I'm just <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say, this is going to be an interesting vote. We all just turned to Alan expectantly. <laughs> no, I, we're going to put this to Online? Instagram. An Instagram vote. And we're going to see who people decide. And I know not everybody will have listened to this episode, so we'll put a little, like, in, info blurb and see who would be more likely to get this hairstylist. Awesome. <laughs> <laughs> With a <the> buffer. <laughs> All right, cool. So that's something to look forward to. And we have some more news. More news? Well, you already know. You were there. What's happening? Rachel and I <gasps> set up what? our Patreon. Ah, <laughs> Patreon. It was there before, but now it's coming back. It's coming back. It's coming back with a punch because Rachel helps me figure out things to make it enticing and sexy. I mean... I'm just, you get, you get to the most expensive uh, level and I will come over and do favors for you. Oh, (laughs) I need to type that one in. (laughs) So uh, what you can expect just to kind of go through it is for just a dollar a month, you can be a casual cultist. Mm -hmm. This includes uh, no ads, one day early access. You're going to get extended episodes like this one and Crowley where you get to hear before and after the episode, what we are talking about. But I'm most excited because we're going to do, like, pop culture episodes. Like, our first one's going to be on the Hellfire Club from (laughs) X-Men. So you get those extra episodes and 10% off all merch. More merch coming soon. That's the next phase. Uh, For $5 for cult enthusiasts, you get a Patreon shout-out. You get voting power in where we're going to be going with our episodes. And... You get to be part of a Facebook private group. Yeah. And chat with the four of us. We're going to have a ball in there. Yeah. Uh, for $10, you can be a cult member. And this one also adds remote watch parties of like cults like our cult inspired or just any <laughs> movie. Just we cult choose. <laughs> movies with movies with cult following. Yeah. Cult movies. Uh, you can be entered in drawings to receive exclusive content, and you receive a cold button and sticker in the mail. Ooh. 
And the highest tier for $20, Cult Leader, you get to choose episode topics and have an episode dedicated to you. Yes. Yeah. Along with all the other stuff. Along with all the other stuff. So check that out on patreon.com forward slash once upon a cult. And we look forward to seeing you all as members. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Fun times. Fun times. All right. Let's check out what we're doing in two weeks. I don't know. I think I remember. I think it's, yes. Remember, it's, Sean, remember. So when remember. I was setting up the cults for the season, uh, Rachel helped set up a few of them too, but I wanted to get different types of cults and different voices. So I came across Dylan Haffertepin. Haffertepin. I haven't looked into him yet, so I don't know how you pronounce it, but Dylan Haffertepin is a queer person who had a kind of a cult where he was having people inject stuff in their balls. (laughs) Rachel's face right now. (laughs) I mean, sign you guys up. (laughs) <laughs> no, thank you. <laughs> you mean that's not normal? So <laughs> we're going to look into Dylan's group. There's been some interesting things like uh, mind control. There was a death. And yeah, it's a, kind of a dark time. Intriguing. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Anything else? Where can we find you? <gasps> you can find me, Rachel. At A Real Bodice Ripper, a podcast that explores the delicious but also problematic nature of romance novels. It's very fun. It is. I enjoy it. (laughs) Do you want to hear Rachel make just sex noises constantly? There you go. That is a good point. Yeah, poor Jesse tries to, you know, <laughs> rally on while Rachel's just like, mm, yeah. Yeah. Um. <laughs> I promise it's a good time. <laughs> Alan, where can we find you? Well, you can find both of us, me and Sean, at uh, Marvelous Galaxy of Disney, where we talk about uh, Marvel, Star Wars, and Disney every Monday. Yay! And to find any of what we just talked about, except for Robot Stripper, you can go to uh, <laughs> magichavoc.com where I have a link to all three of my podcasts, including Hanging with the Hollowells with Kevin, where we're watching Charmed. You can also get to my Etsy from there, and you can get to my book, which is Brew, A Dream of Wiki. Yeah. All right, we'll see you in two weeks. Bye. Bye. Bye.